Welcome to Ancient Answers, where we discuss modern issues in context with ancient questions and writings in philosophy. I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And today we're doing a quote and answer episode mm -hmm. where Shane and I both have two quotes from ancient authors and then we'll discuss how they're relevant. Neither of us really know what each other <laughs> has picked, so it's always kind of fun to have these episodes. Yeah. I'll let you go first. Okay, sure. So, I'm starting with a favorite of ours. We're starting off with Plato. Okay, good. So, Plato once said, You can discover more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. Oh, that's a... I've never heard that one Me before. Me neither, no. I, I quite like that one. Yeah, you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. Well, as somebody who designs games, <laughs> I actually appreciate this very much. That's true, I never thought of that. That is true, because when people put their play a game, they usually put their guard down. Yes. And then there's usually side conversations that are revealing to the personality. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in terms of informational, but to the personality. So I could see that being very true. And that, that's essentially my interpretation about it as well, right? Is that, you know, you, can, you absolutely can learn a lot about a person by the conversations that you have with them. You know, you can infer things about their personality and you can, you know, just get a lot of information based on, you know, whatever your discussion is, you know, whether it's something, subjects that they bring up, subjects that they're knowledgeable about, whatever they know. But the idea of, like you said, when, when you're just playing a game with someone, they let their guard down, and that's where you get to know the person. You get to know the personality, them, them in depth, the, you know, the individual that they are, not just what they talk about. Well, that's why they have office parties. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> At least yeah. before COVID. Um, <laughs> it, it was the idea is that people will let their hair down a little bit, we have a conversation, yeah. and sort of get to know each other, as opposed to the more formalized conversations required of a work environment. Just uh, last weekend, I was I was out of town, and while while I was away, I stayed with a friend of mine, and I actually met her family. I met her, her mother and her brother, and um, and one thing that we did that evening was we all played board games together. Oh yeah, okay. We, for like three hours, and it was it, it was a great time. But but yeah, like we very much just got a really good idea of who the other was and just the the, the fun personality types that came you, out. You'll that. you'll learn who's ruthless, <laughs> who has no mercy. Yeah, that's true. And at this point, we had already spent several hours together. We had dinner together, so we already had quite a bit of conversation. But. It was very different playing a board game with these. With well, these yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have that with uh, my family members and friends as well. Uh, sometimes those that have a more formalized uh, public persona, yes, they can be a little different if they're uh, something's on the line and their prestige and winning a game is yeah. there. Uh, I think even I have uh, shifted sometimes personality when I really, really wanted to, <laughs> to win something. Um, but that's true. It, and that's why I think in society we always have mechanisms to have informal, let's say the word game, but you know, informal context mm -hmm. is because humans want to feel deep down in our souls that we are connecting with other people, that there's a sense of trust yeah. and not just linear um, structures of authority. Yeah, there's this whole inclusivity. Yeah, that goes yeah. on, right? And, and even more so, I think, in our society today than maybe in ancient societies where uh, hierarchies were very strictly maintained. That's true. Yeah. Uh, we live in a Western society where that kind of hierarchy is being broken down, mm -hmm. various reasons. 
Um, and some could argue that there's some concerns that some of these hierarchies should be maintained or restructured. Yeah. Uh, certainly hierarchies of competence. You want, you know, you want people that are the best at what they can do to be able to be, uh, you know, you, you know who they are and can call upon them. Yeah. Uh, but coming on that one, just read the quote again. That's just so. <clears throat> you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. That is an interesting quote, and that's from that's Plato. Plato. Yeah. Yeah, one, like I said, one of our old favorites right there. And it's funny you mentioned just, you know, some personality types. Because, like, my, my papa, my grandfather, wonderful human being, a lot of fun, great sense of humor, doesn't take himself too seriously. You don't ever want to sit next to him in a card game, though, because he doesn't care if he wins or loses. He will destroy himself if he takes you down with him. Oh. <laughs> He's one of those guys where like... I, He's a kamikaze. I, yeah, exactly. Like I, He will do whatever he can to torpedo your game, even if that means he loses, because oh, it's hilarious to him. Oh, gee whiz. So, you know, watch out for that. I, I had an elder, uh, older uh, relative who would play board games and some card games, and no matter what, uh, never, never, never gave any inch of extra consideration to even to the young kids and if they left the table crying that was okay <laughs> oh boy oh, oh that boy. might be a generational thing too there who knows it might be well that's plato that's an interesting insight yeah in terms of uh, where human uh, human activity and stuff goes to yeah all right well i think that quote's a good one yeah. what do you what do you have for us Gordon? i have one from plutarch uh you know the author of parallel lives mm -hmm. a classic one because know how to listen and you will Sorry, let me start again. Know how to listen and you will profit even from those who speak badly. Oh. Now, if you know how to listen carefully, yeah. you will profit from those that speak badly or even those that speak badly. Yeah. What does that mean? I thought, and I chose that one, is there are people who have insight or have something to say but just don't have an articulate way to speak. Yeah. They're nervous to speak in public. They're maybe nervous to set forth their opinions. And yet, sometimes, as they say, quiet waters, you know, run deep. Yeah. And they are thinkers, quietly thinking about something and just are reluctant to something's opinion. Now, if you listen to them, mm -hmm. you may gain wisdom. Because many times those who speak very slickly, very elegantly, are... Are shallow. Are sh are shallow. Yeah. They don't really have depth. They just make it sound good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those that have struggle. I mean, I definitely know of those people that have even speech impediments. And yet, if you listen carefully, yeah, they've got something to say. Yeah. They thought about something. Well, and, and your comment about some people who sound really slick but are actually shallow. Like, I think I think pretty much everyone listening to this can probably attest to a time where you're listening to someone who's speaking very well, but you're just going there like. They're not saying anything. Well, especially right here, right? the day we're making this recording is yeah. the day before That's true. an election. We have an election coming up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> lots of so lots of rhetoric that goes out there, and you're going, "What did they actually say?" Yeah, exactly. Like you spoke very well, but you didn't actually say anything. Right? Well, that's the important thing of politicians: is yeah. you want to sound good, but you don't want to make any commitments with 
wording that actually sounds too yeah. much. Well, the flip side of that too is that uh, to me, what that quote speaks to as well is the ability to learn from other people's mistakes as well. You know, you can just you can just sit back and as long as you are a good listener, a good observer, you can just sort of pay attention and and read the room as it were, and you know direct yourself accordingly. You know, you can you can see disaster as it's coming towards you or see success as it's coming towards you and, and act accordingly. Make your, make your play based on that. You don't have to be the one who's the center of attention, who's speaking at great length to still, you know, gain some kind of success out of this. Well, you know, you think about even people and individuals that come from far away. They come, maybe they're immigrants or they come from another linguistic uh, background they struggle because they're learning a new common language mm -hmm. and and that doesn't negate the fact that they have a wealth of experience uh intellect and ideas uh, yeah, and that's, that's true that is another thing that can get overlooked where someone who has not learned obviously the language we are speaking right now english and they're struggling to learn a language that uh that they that they doesn't mean that what they have to say isn't of value. Mm -hmm. Now you and I have the advantages, both of us speak a second language. Um, I speak both French and, Eng uh, and, and Italian actually. Um, I've learned that. I, I remember when I had to be, you know, I was in Italy when I was a young person, uh, having to learn a new language, struggling with the fact that people didn't necessarily understand what I was saying the first little while as yeah. I was trying to learn uh, to speak. And, uh, and yet, it didn't change the fact that I had things to say. Yeah. So I always reflected on it, okay, then other people must have things to say, but they are struggling to try to articulate yeah. it as well. I, I actually had a, a similar sort of experience when I first moved, uh, moved back into town where, you know, I, I grew up in a French community and French family, but then when I moved out, I went to an area where French was hardly spoken at all. And I stayed there long enough and I, I lost a fair bit of the language. I remember when I came back, I was working in a, in a hotel, essentially, and there was a family from Quebec who was staying, and I, and I thought, oh, well, I can speak French, this is not a big deal. And then I realized that, yeah, <laughs> I can hold a conversation, but I don't know any hotel terminology in French. That's, that is so true with and, me. Right, and it was, it was, so it was such an eye-opening experience, because I'm trying to tell this family, oh, yeah, just head down the hallway, turn left, and take the... The, um, what is that what's called? that called there that goes up and down to the floor? <laughs> I couldn't remember the word for elevator. Oh, man. You know, I couldn't remember how to say second floor in French. So, you know, I knew what I was talking about, and I know that I'm a brilliant, intelligent person. I'd probably sound like an idiot to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I have had a bit of a loss of French in the last little while because I haven't had a chance to speak it, plus a few other <laughs> things that knocked me on my ass. The... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have, uh, like even I, I took the bus home recently from Toronto and there was a young guy from Africa, mm -hmm. uh, from Cote d'Ivoire and, uh, you know, his English was about as good as my French <laughs> and my friend, my English, well, uh, but what was interesting was we kind of got, we figured it out yeah. and get to talk to this young guy who's coming here. Uh, in this town to study engineering oh, cool. at the French college and I give him credit he's coming halfway around the world to speak here now there's lots of French speaking people where we happen to record yeah. uh, these uh, these uh, podcasts so I think he'll he'll do fine once he can integrate yeah. and I've always noticed that 
uh, speakers from Africa, when they speak French, it is just beautiful French. It is very different. Ours is not as nice as that. It's <laughs> beautiful French. Yeah. Anyways, that, that aside, yes, the interesting thing is, is we humans today, um, now I do think that one or two languages will eventually become sort of lingua francas. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be French. <laughs> Uh, lingua angua, angla, I guess now, uh, because we need a common communication languages on the planet as we become much more globalized. Yeah, and uh, that that'll be the case there. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's that one. Okay, so uh, you have another quote there. Yes. <clears throat> so this one is from Lao Tzu. If you do not change, uh, sorry, if you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. Okay, if you don't change direction, you may end up where if you're you heading. do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. Okay, I interpret that. That's interesting because yeah. that would interpret that if you don't make assessments of where you're going, you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. Yeah, where you're heading. The and the heading doesn't mean that's where your choice is. Exactly right. Gotcha. It means it's where you are heading. It doesn't mean it's where you want to go. Want to um, end. <laughs> so on, honestly, when when I read that quote, the the thing that leapt out to me about that, the first thing that popped into my head was climate change, because there's all kinds of talk right now, especially. And well, and again, we got an election coming up tomorrow, so it's it's a prevalent topic right now. Um, Climate change, and one of the big things I've, I've heard and read over the last few years is that the, the best time to act on climate change was 30 years ago. The second best time is right now. And it's this whole idea, like, we, we know where we're heading with environmental, the environmental situation, right? Like, we, we know what the consequences of global climate change are going to be. We know what's going to happen if we don't change our ways and make adjustments. So that's why it really hit me where if you don't change the direction, you may end up where you are heading. If we don't make adjustments on the environmental policies and on climate, we're going to end up exactly where we're heading towards right now. Well, you know, reflected on one of our previous episodes when we did touch upon the fact that science is being able to determine some climatic uh, uh, variations that took place mm -hmm. even back in the ancient days. We yep. know that during the peak of the Roman Empire, that the world, certainly the Mediterranean, was experiencing a very stable and steady weather mm -hmm. patterns for a period of time. And then there was a little ice age that kicked in in the 1300s, yep. followed just by two decades later by the Black Death. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, climatic. So the Earth, we know, is a volatile place. Mm -hmm. The sun has its patterns. The Earth's orbit and the Earth's tilt and a few things make contributing factors. Yep. When it comes to climate change, that worries me, but I actually have a greater worry about the enormous amount of chemicals that we pour into our environment yeah. through industrial and other practices, chemicals that don't break down in the environment. Yeah, we don't absolutely. have any idea what they're going to do to the biologies of the world. Well, even without talking about too harsh chemicals, just plastics alone right there is a really good example of that kind of thing. Yeah, and we, yeah. we've got pesticides that... Uh, questionable yeah at best to 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 see them and uh, so yeah if, if we are going and heading in that direction and we don't take the time to assess it we're going to end up where we're heading where we're heading <laughs> yeah and you know i can't remember the person who said it that things work until they don't okay yeah things go on until they stop yeah and it's just kind of a, a, a you know a blunt way of saying 
at some point, if you create tipping points, you create compound tipping points. Mm -hmm. It could be climate change. Plus, it could be the poisoning of the environment. Plus, the destratification of our agricultural growing industry, which is solely dependent on petrochemical fertilizers as to keep it going, to keep 8 billion people, well, nearly 8 billion people uh, eating. You know, we can live without our phones. Yeah. We can live without our cars. Yeah. People did before. Mm-hmm. But food, that's, mm, that's not really you need optional. that every day. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. need that every day. <laughs> and, and it's true when it comes to uh, if we don't change direction or at least assess the direction we're going yeah. to make sure it's the right direction, mm-hmm. you're going to end up going to where we're going. And it may not be the place we really want to be. Well, and even even on a smaller scale, like a more personal scale, you know, how I'm, I know I've talked to dozens of people in my life who hate their jobs, for instance. Oh, man, you know, I hate working here and it's terrible. I don't like the hours. I don't like the atmosphere and blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, have you applied anywhere else? Well, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then what do you, what, what do you expect to happen then, like? And I, I know that's a whole other monster and all kinds of complications, but it's just another, again, I just want to bring up, I guess, a, a smaller example of if you don't change direction, you may end up where you are heading. <laughs> I think that's a good quote you picked. You know, just, it's not one that I think I'm perceiving we think about is if you just assume that we're going along, don't assume you're going to go where you're going to want to end up. Yeah. If you don't assess it or put something in place to change direction. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think those that are going back to your one example uh, about climate stability, uh, if you don't put the action in, it's not going to happen on its own. Yeah, exactly. Even if there is, I mean, I have, personally, I have as much worry about the poisoning of the environment as necessary the changes, because I do recognize that there are, you know, space forces with planets and the sun and stuff that we cannot control. Oh, not at all, no. Uh, And we have to kind of ride along in this ball uh, as best we can. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's uh, what's your last All one? All right. The final quote is from Confucius. Ah. So here we go. Pulling from same ancient Chinese resources. Yeah. Um, when it is obvious that the goals cannot be reached, don't adjust the goals. Adjust the action stated. Uh, the action steps. Ah. Sorry for the mispronunciation. Action yeah. steps. So if you don't like the goals that you have and you're not achieving them, then don't kick the goal aside. Yeah. Check your goal, check your steps, yeah. your actions. What are you doing that's right? Hmm. I think it does relate a little I bit. I was going to gonna say, point. actually, climate change is another really good example of that where, okay, well, here's, you know, net zero carbon emissions by this time. Okay, well, how do we need to do that? Oh, well, da, 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 da. oh, that's not practical. Okay, well, what if we do it this way then? And like, you know. Well, I'm going to bring another major global problem okay. into that, and okay. that is the world's financial industry. Okay. We have a system that is not, as my opinion, sustainable. Agreed. We are expecting to get endless profits out of a finite system yep. in a global economy that now can, well, in things like cell phones. 20 different countries contribute to the production of a cell phone, an mm-hmm. individual cell phone. Cars are about the same. Yep. We have this massively extended petroleum burning financial based industry that has a, it's evolved. I mean, you can say whether it's evil or it's bad or whatever. I put that aside. It's evolved. Yep. It's evolved for various reasons. And yet now we face it 
doesn't have the flexibility to deal with, i.e., climate change mm -hmm. challenges and or chemical reducement challenges yeah. or the fact that we have, we've got a level of rich versus poor that is unprecedented in human history. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got wealthy individuals on this planet whose wealth in comparison to the ancient kings of, you know, I don't know, Britain or emperors of Rome is almost ludicrously yeah. out of proportion. Uh, it, it, There's billionaires who are racing each other to space right now. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And we've got a, serious problems on Earth. I mean, I remember one time uh, a writer I listened to recently that said when he was writing a book about, you know, the disc this discrepancy between the rich and poor on this planet. It's not that there there actually are less poor than there were 30, mm -hmm. 40 years ago. Give it a credit for that. Okay. Particularly China has been able to bring a large portion of its population into at least a semi-middle class. Okay. But the the challenge is that when the, there was a guy who wrote a, a book his, in 2018 and said uh, there was about 60 people, so I could fill a bus with 60 people who own roughly half the world's wealth. Yeah. Or control. He used the word control half the world's wealth. Okay. He said today when he was going to reissue an updated version of his book for 2021, just a few months ago, it was down to 34. So, I mean, that's ridiculous. I do think that that's uh, uh, an issue. And when Confucius wrote about uh, attaining goals, okay, if we want a much more stable world, a world mm. that will survive for the next thousand years at least, then we have to look at re-looking at our goals. And one of the goals might be, you know, the economic system might have to go for a rehaul yeah. because we're on a pathway that is not sustainable by any measure. And it, in a sense, is driving mm -hmm. the climate change. Oh, absolutely. There, I, I'm quite strongly of the opinion that the only reason why we don't live in a utopia is because of human greed. I mean, there's so many people who have so much that they could never, ever, ever use by any stretch of the imagination. And they just have it to have it. Meanwhile, they pay very little in taxes a lot of the times, and there's a lot of loopholes there. And, oh, well, we can't improve education because it costs too much money. And, well, well we can't improve mental health and healthcare because it's going to cost too much money. And meanwhile, like I said, there's a couple of billionaires who are racing each other to space right now. And yet, you know, something like the United States has something like $9 trillion of unexplainable uh, expenditures within the military. Yeah. Like, unexplainable. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, that, that, I mean, that would be a huge solution around the planet yeah. for anything that would spread out. Yeah, we, I, I do worry about us as a species now, at species level, mm -hmm. because we've, you know, We've made our population eight times what it was 150 years ago. Yeah, which is astonishing growth. Yeah. Now, we live lives that are fueled by petrochemicals. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, we drive cars. Our, our agriculture is basically su supported by agricultural fertilizers and, and stuff like that. And how have we been able to adapt to the fact that, you know, when we, like this quote, that, I mean, was, this quote was written 2,500 years ago is that if we want goals and we find that the goals are not realized, then we need to adjust the strategies to get to the goals, not mm -hmm. just give up on the goals. And yeah. if the goal is to create a more sustainable planet so that generations to come will not hate and resent us for destroying yeah. what would have been their inheritance, uh, then we, we, we need to adjust the strategies. Yeah. And maybe, and I know myself, I'm willing to live 
a less consumptive life mm -hmm. if it means more sustainability. There was a, a legal precedent set in the Netherlands a few months back, actually, where they put the onus of responsibility on a um, major oil company to actually reduce um, consumption because there's been a big push. So not to get too far off the topic of the actual quote here, but because um, right now there's a lot of onus on us as consumers to consume less, but it's really hard to do when we're being pushed by companies to consume as much as possible for the purpose of profits. Yeah. So the Netherlands yeah. actually made, it was a landmark decision where they actually put the onus of responsibility on the oil company. No, 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 no. It's not their job to consume less. It's your job to change what you're doing to make it cap to make them capable of consuming less. Yeah, it was a really interesting article. We were definitely <laughs> in interesting times. Well, yeah. I think that's a happy <laughs> yeah. way to wrap up this episode. We love talking about rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> that's right. Um, we appreciate uh, those that listen up, and we uh, encourage you to check us out on all the social media platforms. We've got uh, we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we're working on a YouTube page, so uh, check out those for uh, Facebook and Twitter especially. We like to post, uh, well, we post links to our episodes on there, but you can find us on Spotify, most major podcasting platforms, but I also like to post uh, some fun history memes just to brighten your day, actually brighten your day a little bit, not like this depression conversation, <laughs> <laughs> well, as well as some uh, history-related articles and just some interesting reads. We'll, we'll come back with some more happy <laughs> ancient history stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for listening. I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And have a great day. 